Interesting. Lively. Fresh. This is Studio 809. Programs from the Pikes Peak region. Welcome to Studio 809. Get the Front Range Podcast buzz. This is supposed to be a respectful, intelligent, and relevant podcast. I'm Bill Murray, City Councilman Large, and this is Council Matters. Today I have a guest who will start with one of our favorite analogies. Um, Bob, could you introduce yourself and give us the uh, uh, today's topic? Yes, my name is Bob Cutter, and that was a delightful setup, Bill, for which I'm eternally grateful. I think what Bill wants to say, because we're going to talk about some numbers here, I'm sure, is a famous quote by a British prime minister uh, in the 1800s, Benjamin Disraeli, who said, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. And so with that, back to you, Bill. I love statistics. Uh, lies and damn lies, well, we'll get into that as well as far as, the, you know, we were talking about the annexation a little while ago and banning Lewis, and we were talking about the overall health and, and safety of the city. But what, I, what, what my burning desire is to talk about change of the political system, radical change of political system, because I, I was approached by the young professionals the other day, and they were talking about petitioning on the ballot, an increase in pay for the council members. And while we were talking, I said, well, what, what do you want of the council? Do you know what they do now? And there was a lot of confusion. And I said, that's interesting. And I've been commenting to the uh, city uh, president, council president. I said, you know, the problem is we, we, we're not being able to sell or market um, our value because nobody knows what the council does. They know the damage it can do, but they really don't know what we can do as a group as far as that goes and i said if they want quality or the 29th largest city okay as best we get it is we have to give a, a reasonable living wage for somebody who works here and the living wage means the person works full time here uh, my best solution is five council members total four districts and one at large and then we mirror the county's population uh, the size and shape and and pay scale and make it a full-time job and then hold them accountable put them to work okay we i can tell you personally and professionally this is not a part-time job if you want a good job if you want to get a good uh, uh, product when you're done you've got to sit down you've got to look at these issues spent this morning at shields looking at the property uh, adjusting to the the environment the issues and then talking to the neighbors and finding out that what i thought was true was not quite but that's just the shields property and that's the world according to murray as far as the council goes back to the council and back to how we can be better informed statistically um in making a decision do you have any thoughts on on council operations well, I think certainly, Bill, you, are, you bring up an interesting point, and that is, you know, pay for council. Uh, when we trans transition to the strong mayor form of government, uh, I believe we modeled our transition after the city of San Diego uh, that started out with the uh, council manager form of government, transitioned to the strong mayor form of government, and did in the end um, uh, have, you know, a paid 
elected mayor and similarly uh, council members. And I cannot remember how many council members they had. I believe it's nine. I may be wrong. I, I think it's one of those things, the role of council has changed over the last 30 odd years. And by that, I mean, if you look back to, you know, councils previously, uh, they were uh, citizens out of the corporate world or, or other backgrounds who had the time to serve on council. But in those days, the, the obligation was measured in a few hours a week. It was not by any description, you know, a full time job like you guys encounter now. So I think it's a case of, first of all, you know, I, I'm always concerned about the, uh, the term, uh, because we somewhat deal with them every day, uh, professional politicians, mm. right? When you pay politicians to be politicians, um, it doesn't necessarily get the job done. But uh, I think also, you know, being realistic, we have to look at what, what are we as citizens expecting of you as council members? And how many hours a week is it going to take you to fulfill our expectations? If it takes 40 hours a week, nominally, maybe 50, maybe 60, uh, then clearly by default, right, that is a full-time compensated job, right, that works alongside the mayor, that works alongside city staff. Um, and I think given your role in many respects, obviously your extensive, uh, your example earlier, your obligations in terms of you are the people who are responsible for, you know, land use planning. You are the final say in that. Uh, then I think we've got to recognize that and um, adjust things appropriately. Uh, but then the challenge is how do you make sure we have, it's not just the salary, we want obviously output quality output results uh, mm -hmm. from those salaries um, how do we make sure that that you know that can happen uh, so I think in, in maybe short answer to your question you know no opposition if if we have to have and you are uh, full-time uh, council members then those people should be compensated accordingly just like we compensate the mayor and just like the county commissioners etc right Makes sense. Is what happened is the uh, young professionals were, were lamenting the fact that they couldn't get young professionals to run because nobody could afford to run. At the same time, they were not reluctant to say, you old white guys are the only ones who can hold the position because you're already retired. I said, well, there's a reason old white guys have a chance to retire because we've worked all these years and we bring a level of expertise into the, into the environment. Saying that, it goes back to the, you know, the expectations, the public's expectations of, of how we do things. And, and we don't have a good feedback system, except during every four years during election. We either love you or we don't love you. I, I, I ran a couple months ago, and I said, well, this is my grade. You know, guys, this is what I did for you. If you think it's good enough, uh, please uh, vote me in or, or vote me out. Um, I ended up spending uh, $492 for, for my reelection, where uh, my peers, uh, the average was 16000 and one was over 41000 Okay, now, ladies and gentlemen, they, it only pays 6000 a year. 
So you have to wonder how to, you know, why would someone spend 41000 even 16000 you know, to, to, uh, for a particular re-election. When you say, but when I say spend, that means uh, I ask you to donate to my particular cause. Now, in donating to particular causes, you have to be aware that if a certain group donates to my cause, the assumption you have to make, in all honesty, is I side with that particular group. And, and it, it gets convoluted because um, certain individuals receive money from the Broadmoor Direct. Yet when it came time to vote on a Broadmoor requested variance, okay, uh, it wasn't the same thing. You, they didn't have to recuse themselves even after they received all the money. Um, I think that's problematic. Uh, it's uh, more than problematic as far as that goes because in, in, in the end, I'm going to make some hard decisions. I'm going to have to make some hard decisions that you're going to have to trust me on. Trust me, I did my homework, my research. My conscience, you know, has not been compromised, uh, and that that you understand that these decisions just have to be made in the best interest of the community at large, and again, it and it happens every two weeks. An issue will come up that will challenge our conscience and challenge our community and challenge our response to that particular community. Uh, a lot of times, it comes back as a quasi-judicial issue which basically means that this is going to be a court case. We're basically the jury, all right? And the uh, city comes in and says, hey, these people are complaining because we did this, and they didn't like it, and so they're, they're coming back in as citizens, okay, to present their case directly to the Supreme Court. So you as the Supreme Court, you either side with them or you don't. And we sit there and we, we try to balance – the needs of the city, the needs of the developer, because they're also sometimes separate, and then the community's interests in making sure. And I don't care if it's uh, accessory dwelling units or STRs or our um, riparian uh, issues or the homeless movements or um, uh, RVs camped in the wrong directions. We, we have to be able to sit there, okay, and in good conscience come up with the best the best solution is what I keep telling everybody, the best solutions. The problem with the system today, okay, is that once we converted to a strong mayor, okay, the strong mayor has all the tools of city government. Okay, when I say tools, is that when the city council hears a case, hears an issue, has any presentation, you will see that the city environment is making the case bob cope peter wasaki they are the ones who present the city's case now what that means is that the developer or whoever asked for the variance or the issue has gone to the city administrator executive group and asked for the variance and they have approved it prior to giving it to the council so the council, by and large, becomes a rubber stamp of what the city's position is because there's no alternatives. Mm-hmm. Now, you understand an alternative is not yes or no. Alternative is other ranking positions that you might think more viable or, or palatable or anything else. So the city will get in front of us and they'll say, we would like to give 
an um, incentive to Shields to build at this location. Now, why is that the city's position? And that's why I asked Peter, Peter and, uh, and, and Carl. I said, guys, why is that the city's position? The city's position should be, okay, that the developer is presenting a case. But that's not how we get it. We get it as a document where the top page says that the EDC, the city's economic development group, supports this particular proposal. And then we sit there and say, well, could it be half of that or a third of that or an eighth of that or whatever it is? The city says, no, no, it's got to be this way or they'll leave. They did all the negotiation. They did all the prep. They did all the documentation. They've got it developed and on our desk. And we, as single individuals, nine of us, okay, with limited staff, okay, sit there. I've had, I've had documents that run over 1,200 pages. We get it. So people know how the process works. We get it electronically on Thursday, uh, full co paper copy on Friday, four discussion and vote on monday and tuesday of the next week quite a challenge for everybody not just some people quite a challenge for everybody and and so without our own uh research group we're trying to build uh, some research folks now into the uh the city council staff okay everything is given to us by the city and i've had conversations with some of the economic development folks in public all on video, and you want to see it, where I, I said, well, where'd you get the information from? And without smiling or saying anything else, he said, well, the developer gave it to me. <laughs> and I said, well, I, it, that shouldn't be the way we do that, that particular business. And, and again, the, what was supposed to have occurred after we had the uh, uh, strong mayor was the city council and the mayor were supposed to sit down and design the lanes of the road so we had a better understanding of who clearly runs the show. Right now, it's overweight mayor, executive branch. Okay, the, uh, the city attorney who works for the mayor says yes or no legally kind of thing. And she is the representative of the city. I want her to be elected. I want that whoever that city attorney is to be elected, actually. So they respond to the city people and not directly just to the mayor or anybody else. Because most folks don't realize that that city attorney is also the city attorney for the utilities. And, ladies and gentlemen, there are friction points. The city utilities gives the city $32 million a year in something we call surplus revenue. All right? And if you don't think that's a friction point, when I suggest it should be reduced, <laughs> that is a friction point. And you need to all, all be aware of this interlocking issues. Yes, the utilities is an enterprise of the city, but it's your enterprise, not the politicians of the city's enterprise. And again, there's a lot of issues that start to you know, uh, uh, run into each other very dramatically. What roads need to be improved first? Well, pet project may be the museum. And those things are what kind of... Uh, uh, parking enterprise should we have? Well, those things uh, bleed off into personal uh, and uh, developer projects. I know I'm going on a, on a tear here, 
as far as looking at uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics. But statistically, okay, we're the 29th largest city in the United States. Uh, statistically, we're doing better than the vast majority of all cities, and that means both in, in development and growth and, and in um, uh, economics, as far as that goes. Uh, statistically, we probably have the oldest city council. <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way, but when you look at it, um, let's see, Tom Strand's the oldest at 71. I'm 70. Uh, I mean, this, the, 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 whole, the whole group is, is old. And, and we also have another job, a secondary job, that doesn't mean a lot to folks. Uh, it's called utilities. <laughs> you know, we determine how much you pay each month on your utility bill. Okay, uh, it, it, a critical job. Now, now wait a minute. What happened here? The city council is now making these land use decisions and what you're paying for utilities and a $1.5 billion corporation. And I'll be honest with you. I've been all over the world. When someone says what I do and I tell them and I said I get 6200 a year for it, Everybody thinks I'm crazy, and they think I shouldn't have the position because anybody who takes a position with that amount of money is crazy. But it's not the money, okay? It's how do we get qualified folks. And if at every podcast I have, I, I've somewhere I hope to say 2021, remember the date, April 2021. All right, we have three term-limited uh, city council members, at least three who have to leave. We need the folks to pony up to the bar now, show their leadership skills, and sign up to be council members. We've, got, we've come to the point in time where we've got to step off being Mulberry, you know, uh, RFD, and step into the fact that we need to be smarter. Yeah, uh, not alluding to other cities uh, as far as that goes. But, but having said that, we need to really talk about this. We need to talk about leadership. Uh, we have a lot of leadership groups that, that educate us on how to be leaders and things like this. But no coalescence of, of, of ideas and thoughts and activities uh, that do it. And part of the uh, what I call the leadership uh, requirements is this whole concept of, of what is city government for. Mm -hmm. And we have a strange, not a strange thing, but it, it's uh, the government that governs least governs best. But at the same time, we have this very conservative um, financial dogma that says that government money – only is used for government things. And we define government things as, as the least we can spend. So we have a tendency to squeeze that penny a little too tight. And we have major projects in the city that we can't move forward on. Shook's Run is the one I try to use all the time. The parks is the second thing. And that we can't seem to institutionalize, institutionally create solution sets because we're so tight that... Uh, when I talk about broadband, use that as an example as well. Public, yeah. private, we know this would incentivize and assist our economy in building out. 
Yeah, and I, I think I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to. No, I mean the, I think the key thing is, you know, I mean, first of all, obviously to you and the other uh, eight council members, uh, sort of on behalf of the citizens, thank you uh, for doing the work that you do for the staggering salary that you get. Um, and I, you know, I think as citizens. You know, one of the benefits, I suppose, that we have is we know, given the pittance that's involved in serving on council, we know that every one of you must, must have a passion for serving the city, serving the citizens. Uh, so in some respects, right, for us as citizens, it's kind of a, a win-win, right? Now you can say we're cheap, right? We're not paying for that passion. Uh, but nevertheless, it attempts to uh, reduce the conflict. Uh, the conflict that you refer to in the kind of election campaign finance, right? That's a challenge that plagues, one could argue, the country, right? Money buys influence. Money buys results. It's going to be human nature. Uh, so I think all that we can make sure, and this gets back to your comment, lies, damn lies, and statistics, is that the numbers are there to substantiate any decision that you make, right? It's not about people. Uh, it should not be about influence. It should be about the results that we get for our city whether that's the rates for utilities, uh, whether that's which roads get paved, you know, or how the land gets developed, the strategic plan, all those things. And I, I'm pleased to hear what you actually just said, and that is in terms of the city council having some sort of resource for doing research. Uh, because I think if we are, and we may well need to, look at modifying council compensation structure and everything else, then there should be somewhat just like we did with the strong mayor. Let's go look at other cities where this has been successful, right? Certainly, we should copy success shamelessly uh, to make sure that's a great way to bootstrap yourself up as quickly as possible. Uh, but I think here's another example. When we've talked before about accessory development units solving affordable housing, right? Council pay by itself does not create an effective and an efficient and a council that works for the people, right? Uh, it may be an ingredient, uh, but I think, you know, right now we know we've got passionate old folks right doing it uh, but at least we know <laughs> they, alive, uh, at least at least we, we know at least we know they care now it, it is frustrating with certainly some of the examples that you throw up uh, because in theory uh, the city has got to be whether it's the city or the city council has to be looking out for the best for colorado springs right and is willing to identify those damn lies right so that we don't make mistakes because as you know the mistakes we make as a city go on for decades well i talk about informed decisions and the mistakes that are made you know were they made based on information uh, or best guess which is uh, a, a problematic and what i'm also leading up to is that uh, uh what's what's your feeling about uh, separate uh, utilities board vis-a-vis uh, -vis the council once i build this case for the the need for a uh, higher uh, stipend for the council and the amount of work the council should be doing and everything else uh, do you see uh, a need to separate the two environments and uh, have a have a separate board for the utilities 
So uh, in a nutshell, yes, I, I certainly believe there should be a separate board for utilities. Uh, the utilities, it's complex, it's expensive. I mean, they are now, I suppose, in revenue terms, well north of a billion dollar a year uh, enterprise uh, with, uh, you know, debts of probably 2.5 billion. Um, and so, you know, this is a big deal right? Uh, you would not find, and, and I don't want to be derogatory here, you would not find a private sector company with revenues of over a billion dollars being run by nine well-meaning old guys and gals, right? Um, so I think, yes, we have to make a change. Uh, in my opinion, for Colorado Springs Utilities, I know this was discussed probably three or four years ago. Uh, again, there's a right way to do this, right? We do, we as citizens own our own utility. Uh, we are thankful for, you know, the low rates that we have. Uh, but we also need to be sensitive of things like the environment, like the location of the Drake power plant, um, like uh, future-proofing ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've transitioned from, if you went back, uh, let's say, 60 years, if a city did not own its own gas and power generation, it would didn't really control its future, mm -hmm. right? Because power was everything. Mm -hmm. Now it really is a utility. We go to a wall and we expect when we flip the switch, lights come on, right? It is a utility. It's a critical utility, uh, but I think one that needs to be very well run. And it can be an economic competitive weapon um, in many ways, and it's not just rates. It's, uh, as you know, um, companies now are very sensitive to their you know, the environment, their green uh, philosophies, their carbon footprint. Uh, so we have to make sure that, again, we're competitive. So whereas Excel is moving to, I think, 55% renewables in the next few years, I think we're nudging towards 20%. We've got a long way to go because they're kind of the next bailiwick over. Well, they can charge their own rates through the Public Service Commission. But if and you, and, and if right, because I've on and off, I've looked at that, they're gas rates with sales tax or you know sometimes with without sales tax are almost identical to ours why is that gas is a commodity hmm. we all buy it from the same big suppliers right, right. then it's a, a transmission and maintenance uh electric rates re residentially um in the winter months not the summer months xl energy has lower rates than we do right? Colorado Springs Utilities, because you have to bear in mind, for Excel, they charge sales taxes, franchise fees, which are significant. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a renewable energy fee. Mm -hmm. They pay a dividend to their shareholders. And by the way, they make a profit, right? So when you take all those factors off, it's about a 15 to 20% hit that they take that we don't because we're a non-profit right. consumer-owned utility or citizen-owned utility. So back to your point, yes, I would split them off. I would still have probably uh, two council members on that board uh, to serve as the representatives of the citizens of Colorado Springs, uh, but the rest of the board I would have populated by utility or technology or professionals who uh, can provide good counsel, good advice, 
and good accountability in the days of Sarbanes-Oxley for the executive team at CSU. That way, I think we have a very clear delineation. They're doing the right things for a utility business, which then frees up our elected officials to do the right things for the other uh, activities that involve so running So you wouldn't a recommend a totally elected board? Uh, I think the challenge with a, a, a totally elected board, and it's like electing a board of directors of a publicly traded company, right? You get the little, you know, a proxy form through the mail. Mm-hmm. Do you know these people? Do you know what they've done for you? Do you know whether they're running a good company? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think, you know, that, um, certainly there needs to be an, uh, some further thought mechanisms, you know, how you would do that so you can get rid of uh, wayward directors or whatever. But really, I think what we need as citizens and as a community is the best, most efficient, most forward-looking utility that we can get because it's a, it's a competitive weapon, both for citizens and businesses. Yeah, I'm looking towards 2021. April, the uh, district elections, and uh, uh, trying to talk the uh, council and the board, same thing, but uh, yeah. getting them to con- now uh, open up the box and let's, let's look at it again. It's a, uh, a danger, of course. Everyone's always concerned. Yeah. Uh, there is utility, no pun intended, in, uh, in any discussion about selling. Uh, piece of it but the problem is uh, historically what's happened is you, you sell a piece of anything uh, the cost the consequence the benefit is is immediate but every community in Colorado Springs has had the opportunity to uh, sell their hospital mm-hmm. only to determine four years later that there's no money left because uh, they used it on uh, infrastructure instead of gradually uh, having everybody pay a fair share and they lost the hospital, and they lost the advantage of the situation. So uh, there's plenty of lessons learned in that particular thing. Hopefully we can get everybody to come to uh, a resolution and conversation so that uh, we can bring the best possible outcome uh, to the citizens. And but, again, uh, it's it's a uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics. But I think that Statistically, is, I think there's a 50-50 but, shot. Yeah. But, but I think that is certainly, in my opinion, a conversation very, very well worth having. So I appreciate you driving that. Yeah, we need to do it sooner than later. Hey, thanks for getting it, uh, Front Range Podcast Buzz on Studio 809. Again, this was Respectful, Intelligent, and Relevant Podcasts. And we look forward to uh, conversing with you again on all Council Matters. Bill Murray out. Thanks for listening to Studio 809. Interesting, thoughtful, and relevant podcasts originating at the foot of Pikes Peak. Listen to Peak Reality Check with new programs every week. Politics, economics, religion, you name it. It'll be on Peak Reality Check. No 30-second sound bites, no fluff, no bull. We report from some of the finest sources, The Guardian, Bloomberg, The Intercept, The Nation, Vox, and many more. Wherever we find the news is honest and true. No fake news here. We can't handle fake news. We just don't lie. Just hard-hitting conversations with D. Lynn and Gary.
Hey, I'm glad you're still here. Did you know Studio 809 has many podcasts besides the great one you just heard? You can check them all out at studio809radio.com. You can subscribe to get all these podcasts by subscribing to Studio 809 on iTunes, or you can subscribe individually to any of the great podcasts from 809 on iTunes as well. It's your choice. Thanks for listening.